You are now listening to the Legends Lingo Podcast, presented by Student Union Sports. Here are your hosts, Al and Powder. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome back in. Legends Lingo Podcast, episode 197, as always, presented by studentunionsports.com. Check out everything on studentunionsports.com. Check out the Is It Saturday Yet podcast to get all the latest in college football action and betting lines if you like to make that uh, money in states that are legal to gamble and to do so. And also check out the Not Gonna Lie podcast, which is our NFL podcast on the network. Every Sunday, you will have the best NFL action, which teams will win, which team you, teams you should put your money on, and everything else NFL-related, so make sure to go check it out. Alan Nahigian back at it once again. Powder's back after taking a month vacation. He, <laughs> he, he, he soared the United States. He decided to take a trip to Aruba and to Jamaica as well yep. while he was at it. So, Powder, welcome back. Would you like to give a uh, State of the Powder address to <laughs> all the uh, Legends Lingo Union? Yeah, I wish I was in Aruba or somewhere warm. I actually went south this past weekend to Georgia, and it was colder than what it was up here. It was 32 <laughs> degrees at 8 a.m. while trying to coach 10-year-olds, which is a lot of fun trying to keep keep them warm, like tell them they're warm when it's freezing out I'm cold. Tell but, them um, to suck it up and just live through it. Yeah. We did it when we were younger. They can do it too. Yep. But I've just been – I like I was telling Al off air before we started recording, I honestly thought baseball season was going to slow down, and it just – has not at all. I've been, I've been, I was thinking about it the other day. I think I've had four to five total weekends, like Saturdays and Sundays, off since April. And it's November. Yeah. And especially with the travel programs around New England, they're just going to yeah. kick back up. Like I know I start my travel ball practice after Thanksgiving. So I'm enjoying the last couple weekends of being able to sleep in and do what I want and, not have to go to practice, but yeah. got to go back at some point and, you know, you got to love it. But yeah. a lot to talk about tonight. we got the Patriots playing their week 11 matchup against the New York Jets after a week 10 bye week after a week nine win against the Indianapolis yeah. Colts. A lot happening in free agency with the Red Sox, and we're going to get into that. But before we get into all that, I am going to do a quick Bruins and Celtics minute to kind of kick us off because there's not a lot to talk about. But I'm just going to say this. Powder, just give me one of the teams first, Bruins or Celtics. Go Celtics. All right, Celtics, best team in the NBA right now, 11-3. and I was watching them play the Oklahoma City Thunder on Monday night. They were down 15, I think, at one point. They were down nine after the third quarter. They came back to win the game by four. It was a 126-122 victory. But that goes to show that this Celtics team is legit. They played the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are a young team that are still finding themselves in the NBA and they're not that great right now. They have that guy, SGA. Like It's like Shiloh, like Gillis, Alexander. I, I don't know how to say his name, but he's really, really good. But the thing is, the Celtics have so much depth this year. Obviously, Jason Tatum's playing like an MVP candidate. Jalen Brown's playing like an all-star. You have other guys that are making key contributions. Malcolm Brogdon, before he got hurt, was doing well off the bench. Peyton Pritchard coming off the bench and doing his thing and kind of getting in the mix now and getting some minutes now that Brogdon's out. Great to see. Al Horford's playing well, even though he's on load management this year. And they're doing all this without Rob Williams. That's the best part about it. And they're doing it without another guy. And people forget about this guy, Danilo Gallinari, who they signed in the offseason, who was supposed to be your shooter off the bench. That's another piece that hopefully you can get back at the end of the year. I don't think you will, but maybe you do. The point is, you need to take the Celtics team very seriously. They're playing well at the right time. And guess what? 
this team is hopefully going to go back at least to the Eastern Conference Finals, if not the NBA Finals. So jump on board right now. For the Bruins, I'm going to kind of echo the same thing that I just said about the Celtics. 14-2, and two, they're like 9-0 and oh at home. They just don't lose at home. And I really think that this is kind of a change in the in the coaching culture, right? You had Bruce Cassidy that he's doing great in Vegas, by the way. Best record in the Western Conference. All that talent with Jack Eichel and Max Pacioretty. And I don't I don't think Mark Andre Fleury is no Mark Andre Fleury isn't on that team anymore, but they have a lot of talent regardless. The Bruins with Jim Montgomery are so much more offensive minded. Like they can score at will. You know, and you think about this too. Brad Marchand and Charlie McAvoy started the season injured because of surgeries they had in the offseason. Marchand's back. Charlie McAvoy just came back like a week or so ago. So guess what? This team's really good too. And I'm not usually a Bruins guy. You know, Powder and I are very casual hockey fans and casual, I'm putting it in air quotes, casual hockey fans. This team is exciting to watch. They have a good goalie in Lena Allmark that's doing well. Keith Kinald is like their backup goalie right now. He's played fine. And they're going to get Jerry, Jeremy Swayman back too. This team is so much fun. And I think they can add pieces. We talked about the Mitchell Miller situation last week. Scumbag move, bad move, black eye on the organization. But hopefully the, the Bruins will get over that. But all in all, the team on the ice, really fun to watch. And really fun to make money off of if you're into that sort of thing. So... That's it with the Celtics and the Bruins. Just wanted to kind of give a quick minute thought on those. Obviously, as the season goes along, we'll continue to talk more about it. But right now, let's deep dive into the Patriots. So the Patriots, five and four, coming off their bye week, currently a playoff team. Yeah. The seven seed in the AFC right now. I know we hate to do the if the season ends today thing, but if the season ended today, the Patriots would be playing the Chiefs in the first round of the playoffs in Arrowhead. Not an ideal matchup, but hey, you're there. You got some help this weekend. The 49ers beat Wait, the Chargers. No, when they play Miami, doesn't one they two. would play your I stand correct. No, right. one and two get a bye, right? So they'd play Tennessee. No, it's it's just one. Oh, yeah. So just the one, one. seed gets a bye now. So they play at Miami. At Miami. So okay, so even worse. Okay, so I stand corrected, not Kansas City. So it'd be yeah. at Miami. So they would play at Miami, which I mean <laughs> yeah. we know how Miami House is. House of Fours. Yep. How, yep. It's a it's a shit show. That's that's a very easy way to say it. But regardless, Patriots are in a playoff spot. That's the important thing right now. They had the bye week to kind of regroup. And I was listening to I was listening to two things that I just want to vent about really fast, then we'll get into the actual preview of the Patriots game this week against the Jets. So I was listening on my way home from school today. I was listening to Greg Bedard on 98.5 The Sports Hub on Feller and Mass. Greg Bedard writes for Boston Sports Journal. Really, really good. Really good writer. I suggest go, going to check his stuff out on Twitter and on bostonsportsjournal.com. And Greg Bedard mentioned this. After the bye, the last couple of years, let's go back to 2021 for a second. 2021. The Patriots off the bye, lost to the Colts, lost to the Bills, beat the Jaguars, lost to the Dolphins, lost to the Bills in the playoffs. 2020 coming off the bye, they lost to the Broncos in that horrible game at home. They lost to the 49ers when they got absolutely smoked, and they lost to, I think they lost to Buffalo there too. Or they lost to somebody else. They lost to somebody else. And then in 2019, they beat the Eagles 17-10. to 10. I remember that game. It was the game where Edelman did the double pass. Brady to Edelman, Edelman threw it to, I think it was 
Muhammad Sanu actually, but no, Muhammad Sanu got hurt in that game. I forget who they threw it to in that game, but the point is, played an ugly game. And in 2018, that last Super Bowl year, they came off the bye against the Jets, losing, I think it was 7 nothing, and then tied at 10 at the half. And they ended up winning the game 27-13 regardless. But the point that I'm trying to make is this. The Patriots need to come out with some urgency after this bye, especially this year. Because you take a look at that schedule, Powder. This is their schedule the rest of the year. They're home against the Jets. They're at Minnesota on Thanksgiving. Minnesota, 8-1, and one, just beat the Bills, by the way, on the road. Very impressive win. So Minnesota is very impressive. So you got those two games. You're home against Buffalo. And then I believe it's at Arizona, yep. at uh, Vegas, yep. home against Miami. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Home against Cincinnati. Yes. Home against Miami yep. at Buffalo. That's yep. your end of the season. That ain't easy. No. It's not an easy eight-game stretch at all. I think they're only favored in one game the rest of the way, and it's this game coming up against the Jets at home. But here's the thing. You take it one game at a time, right? Look on that schedule. I think realistically, you can beat the Jets. You can beat the Cardinals because the Cardinals are going nowhere this year, especially under Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's lost control <clears throat> of that locker room. And if the new Call of Duty's out, Kyler Murray's not going to even be interested <laughs> anyway. The Raiders, Powder, you know the Raiders are a mess. Yeah. Cincinnati has no offensive line to protect Joe Burrow. They've taken a slide since they made the Super Bowl last year. So right there, you know, you can – those are four winnable games. I'm not saying you are going to win them, but they are winnable. Then you got Buffalo twice, which is tough. Miami, which is tough. Minnesota, which is tough. So if you can win the winnable games that you need to, and then you just take one of those other games, 10-7 and seven, I think gives you a shot at the playoffs. Yeah. It really does. So, Powder, you haven't been on the show for a couple of weeks. So you've missed out on, obviously, us talking about the Patriots. So over this last kind of month or so, what have you kind of seen with this Patriots team? What do you think needed to be addressed throughout the bye week last week? I think one of the biggest things is something we haven't, we never saw with a Patriots team under Tom Brady. And I always thought it was Bill Belichick, but the more and more you think about it, it's probably Tom Brady thing is penalties. How many false starts have killed? I know you've talked about this. I've listened to some of the podcasts that missed, but how many false starts have killed a drive or a holding or something like that? We have momentum going down the field or charging downfield, then a false start five yards just stalls the drive out. Then maybe the Patriots get a field goal, but sometimes they don't score at all. And then same thing with the holding. So I think it's those little things that when we are not used to as Patriots fans seeing it during games. Because I feel like in the 20 years the Pats had Brady, you never saw a drive stall out because of a holding or a false start. The line was very good. And it didn't matter if the line changed year to year. The line just never jumped. They were always on a good count. They always knew when to expect the ball. And I don't know if it's just uh, Mac Jones just not – like being being that leader that makes sure they're always ready week in and week out or what. But I think that's something that need to be addressed going forward. I want to hit on one thing that you were talking about, Powder, because I think it's a great point. The offensive line, right? Yeah. I want you to think about this. 
after the Chicago game, you lost David Andrews, right? David Andrews is the heart and soul of your offensive line. He keeps that offensive line together, especially at the center position. Very, very important. You think about the other offensive linemen, right? Those holding and false start penalties you were talking about, Powder. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have come from Isaiah Wynn, who leads the league in penalties committed. The whole entire NFL. And if you've listened to the podcast with Powder, you said you've listened. You've heard me basically bitch and moan about Isaiah Wynn and how he really shouldn't be on this football team anymore. Yeah, It's just brutal to watch him. Cole Strange, first-round pick, 2022 draft. He's hit a little bit of a rookie wall in the sense that he's kind of gotten benched a little bit in the last couple of games, missed a couple blocks, missed a couple assignments, had a really good start of the year. Now he's kind of plateauing a little bit. So hopefully he can kind of pick that back up. So that's three guys out of five on your offensive line right there. One injured, one committing penalties, and one sort of backtracking a little bit. So that leaves you with who else? Oh, and Marcus Cannon. Don't forget, Marcus Cannon's on the IR, four games. So he's going to miss a couple more games. He was your option when Isaiah Wynn was struggling. So now, right now, you're off right now, your offensive line as it stands is Trent Brown, who Trent Brown has his good games and his really bad games. Michael and Wenu. James Ferenz, who's your center right now, who's fine, but he's not David Andrews. Isaiah Wynn, and then like and then Cole Strange. I forgot to put in Cole Strange in there because I'm not going really by position. But yeah. that line is not good right now. And I noticed it especially in the Indianapolis game. Mac Jones had no time to throw. None. Like, like people are like, oh, Max regressed. Yes, he has a little bit. And I can admit that as a, as a Mac Jones fan and a Mac Jones guy. But you also have to be fair, call it spade to spade, that he's had no time to throw the ball. So when you have no time to throw the ball and your first read isn't open, what can you do? Mm-hmm. Can't do anything. So that that's my issue with it. And this offense, I mean, it, it's just so funny how you look at like, the Detroit game, you look at the Cleveland game when Bailey Zappi was in there, the offense, they had to dumb it down to make sure that Zappi didn't have to do too much. And then with Mac, it's like they just open it up again to this style of offense, which it's supposed to be like a power running offense and stuff like that. But here's the thing. Damian Harris has been hurt for a lot of the year. And Ramondre Stevenson, he can't do it all by himself. So when you add those two factors together, how can you be a power running team? When your offensive line stinks, your quarterback is struggling, and one of your receivers that's supposed to be part of this power running attack is hurt. It's not going to add up. And then if you want to put the icing on the cake, and sorry, I'll end this rant in a second, then we'll get to the actual Jets-Patriots preview. The Patriots receivers can't get open. The only one that can really get open more often than not is Jacoby Myers. Like Devontae Parker's been hurt. Nelson Aguilar is having trouble creating separation. Kendrick Bourne taking a big plummet this year compared to last year. And we talked about it. And Tyquan Thornton, he had a great game in Cleveland. He's been kind of quiet the last couple of games. So where is this team right now? They're stuck in, in like neutral right now. Now they're five and four. And they could be six and four after this week, but they got to make sure that that offense comes around. Because if you want to go through that seven game gauntlet after the Jets, and come out like three and four, four and three, you got to play a little bit of offense. You have to. You can't just rely on this defense. Defense is great. Matthew Judon, I think, should be defensive player of the year right now. 11 and a half sacks in like 10 games or nine games, whatever it is. But again, this defense can only do so much. You got to have some offense. If you score 24 to 27 points a game with this defense, you should win. Yeah. 
Very simple. All right, let's preview the actual game. Real quick, some breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. What do we got? Yep, Terry Francona, third AL Manager of the Year award. Good for Tito, and we'll talk about that in the Red Sox section. So, Powder, keep that in mind. But breaking news, Terry Francona, third Manager of the Year, American League. Good for Tito. Yep. Love that. Okay, Patriots-Jets. Rematch of the week, and I got to remember do my math right, week eight matchup. At the Meadowlands, Patriots came away with a 22-17 victory. Zach Wilson threw three interceptions that game. So I'm going to say this, and I'm going to take this again from a 98.5 source, Adam Jones. I don't know why I listened to him, but there's something that he said that really struck me. He thinks that the Jets are significantly better than the Patriots right now. Talent-wise, maybe. But putting an entire game together, you're not going to sell me on that. Because I know the Jets just beat the Bills like two weeks ago. But again, you know, the Jets are good. But there are just some times where teams own other teams. Patriots have owned the Jets 13 straight times. And I think that Zach Wilson has had his troubles against the Patriots. And guess what? The Patriots can scheme up a defense. They can put pressure on him, make him roll out. And make him make mistakes. They did it in the Meadowlands. I think they can do it again. So to preview this game, I think the key of the game is you got to make Zach Wilson turn the ball over. You keep the ball turnover free, force the Jets to make turnovers, and you should be fine. And to, to for your stat, Powder, and for kind of your point that you made earlier, under Brady, the Patriots didn't make those mistakes. You know the Patriots lead, lead the league in giveaways? Really? They lead the league in fumbles and interceptions, giving the ball away. But they're also like top three, I think, in takeaways too. So it's really strange. But I mean, their whole thing, right? (laughs) Control the ball. Don't make mistakes. And you should be fine. Like the Patriots, realistically, the Patriots should win this game. And I think it's going to be very similar to the Meadowlands game. So I'm just going to give my prediction. Then, Powder, you can kind of give your analysis on the game and then kind of your score with it. I'm going Patriots 24, Jets 17. I think it's going to be a one-score game. I think the Patriots find a way to squeak it out, get to 6-4, and four, and then they got a short week going into their Thanksgiving matchup against the Vikings. So, Powder, your kind of analysis and things you want to see and then give us a score prediction. Yeah, so kind of similar to what you said, but Jet, I think we talked about this because I think it was on right before the last Jets game in – Thing about the Jets is I know they're playing well, like you said, but they still don't scare me till they prove they can beat the Patriots. Because they were, let me look. I think they're coming off another pretty good win. Yeah, they beat the Packers and the Broncos. Obviously, we know they're not as good, but they were on a four-game winning streak going into when they played earlier this year, and the Pats took care of business and beat them. Like it just shows that. For some reason, the Patriots just have the advantage over the Jets every year for whatever for whatever reasons. But I think the Patriots just have the Jets number. And I think that, like you said, if they can control the turnover game, they can get a couple interceptions, maybe cause a fumble, maybe Judon gets a nice strip sack or something like that, and Mac takes care of the ball, doesn't uh, – caught throwing costly interceptions like he has this year. 
I think the Patriots will come away with the victory. I think that's what they're going to do because, like you said, this is a big game. They can keep the momentum riding into this the last seven games where it's going to be tough for them. Um, I think they will be able to find the way into the playoffs. I think it's going to be, like you said, a one-score game. I think it's going to be a little closer. I'm going to do 24-21 Patriots. Okay, so we both have the Patriots scoring 24 points somehow. Yeah. I got 24-17. Powder's got 24-21. So we will see what happens. And it's actually funny you mentioned that score, Powder, because the Patriots, according to DraftKings, three-point favorites going into the game mm-hmm. on Sunday. Three on the dot. Yeah. So... And over under is 38 and a half. So we have it right. Like yeah. you have to, yeah, you have it right on 24 to 21. I have 24, 17. Yeah. It's like right yeah. there. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully the Patriots can kind of further themselves into the playoff picture with a win over the jets. Cause if they beat the jets, they have the tiebreaker head to head. And I think they're going to move up a spot to at least sixth, if not fifth, I could be yeah. wrong on that, but they'll, they'll move up to at least sixth. So all right, let's talk a little MLB free agency, a little bit of Red Sox stuff. Before we get into that powder, we got to hear that ad read about our good friends at A&B Kitchen and Bar, and we need to hear it from you. So yeah. take it away. Yep, as I say every week when I'm on, we're very grateful to be sponsored by A&B Kitchen and Bar and A&B Burgers. A&B Kitchen Bar is located in Boston, where A&B Burgers is located in Beverly on the North Shore. If you're looking for a good bite to eat in Boston, right across the street from the TD Garden, a and B is your place. They have an elevated take on traditional New England pub menu, some different pasta, some um, the best burgers I've ever had, and some different um, nice American dishes. And they're like I say every week. They're local. Everything's from within a hundred miles. Their beers, their soda, all their food they have is from very local, and it's great service and. Especially, like Al said, the Bruins Celtics playing right now. They're heating up. You want to go to Garden. You're going to a game. Go to A&B beforehand. Get a nice um, bite teeth and head over to the game. Or if you want that atmosphere of the TD Garden, but you don't have tickets, you can literally see the Garden from A&B. So just go there, enjoy the game, and have a few drinks and a nice burger. And tell them the Legends Voice sent you. Shout out to our friends at A&B Kitchen and Bar in the Boston and Beverly locations. Go have a good time. Yeah. Some of the legends guys sent you. Real quick, Powder, you know what the Bruins and Celtics combined record is? I do not. 25 and 5. Jeez. Bruins are 14 and 2. Celtics are 11 and 3. They're pretty good right now. They're pretty good. good. The winter teams are pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good, kid. (laughs) Good. You know who isn't good, Powder? The Red Sox? Yeah, they stink. Yep. And guess what? They probably are going to continue to stink. So a couple things to kind of break down with the Red Sox here. The, the big one we're going to talk about, obviously, is Xander Bogarts. But before we do that, I want to talk about Nathan Eovaldi real quick. Yeah. So Nathan Eovaldi had until Tuesday to accept his qualifying offer, which was going to be just a little bit south of $20 million. It was going to be $19.65 million, And he could have accepted that for a year. Ivaldi declined it when a lot of people thought that he was going to accept it and take it for a year as like a prove it kind of deal. Yeah. And now he's a free agent. So with Ivaldi, I know this is going to be a no duh type statement. There's one or two things I think that's going to happen. I think he's either going to get big money elsewhere. Someone's going to overpay for him and give him a big contract that the Red Sox just didn't want to give him. Or I think the Red Sox 
might try to bring him in for a multi-year deal, like a two, three-year deal. Could be right around that, you know, like 15 to $20 million range. And say, you know what, Nate? You can be a part of our rotation for the next two to three years. And then after that, you know, maybe we part ways. So I don't know what they're going to do here. I don't know what Nathan Evaldi is going to do. I guess, Powder, what I would ask you is, as a baseball guy, do you think Evaldi ends up re-signing with the Red Sox on a multi-year deal similar to what Anthony Rizzo just did? Rizzo, I think, signed for two years and like $40 million. Yeah, it's, I think $17 million each year for Rizzo and then, like, obviously, signing bonus and all that. So Right, I and and I think he can opt out the third year. I think there's, like, a player yeah. opt out the third year. So does Nathan Evaldi do something similar to, like, what Anthony Rizzo did with the Yankees? Or does he opt out and maybe does what um, Tyler Anderson did with the Dodgers? Reject his qualifying offer and goes and signs a multi-year deal, deal elsewhere. Which direction think, does he go? Yeah, the thing that I think scares other teams away is injury history. He's had a decent amount of injuries throughout his career. So I think I think he rejected it because I think it's more – I think the money was right. I think the amount was probably right for what he wanted, but I think, like you said, he wants years. He wants – he's 32 now, uh, especially for a pitcher with his kind of history past that's getting up there. He has in his major league career – let me just see. Ari has almost 1,300 innings, which is a good amount. So I think, I think he's looking for probably – two- to four-year deal to kind of bring him to the end of his prime into kind of the later stages of his career. So I think I think he's going to stay at the Red Sox. I think they're going to sign him for, I think, a, I think a, I'll go four-year deal with opt-outs after three and four. I think it'll be around $17 million per year, like the Rizzo deal. But I think he just wants that security for three to four years. You know what? That's not a bad deal, especially with the opt-outs after the third and fourth deal. I really like that. And you know what? I do agree with the fact that I think Ivaldi does end up coming back because I think that there's a mutual want and understanding that Ivaldi wants to be back in Boston. But the thing of it is, again, the only thing you got to worry about is will another team overpay for Ivaldi services? Yeah. That's the only thing. And I don't know if another team will. I don't think another team will. So I think the Red Sox are, have a safe play there, and I think if they just are fair, they can get that deal done. Mm-hmm. And speaking of fair, let's just talk about Xander Bogarts, shall we? <laughs> All right, Xander Bogarts, there's been a lot of rumors. Obviously, he opted out of his last remaining de- years of his deal, too. He's a free agent. You all saw that coming. So here's the thing. There's been a couple different pieces here. Jim Bowden came out and said, and Bowden, I, I forget which publication he writes for. Um, I don't think it's MLB.com, Powder. If you want to look that up real I'm fast. Now. Yeah, just real fast. B-O-W-D-E-N for Bowden. Um, but the thing CBS. is. CBS. Yep, The Athletic, writer for The Athletic. So the he's athletic. a writer for The Athletic. He's an insider for CBS. Gotcha. Okay, so he writes for The Athletic. So Jim Bowden wrote that he thinks that Bogarts is going to end up with the Phillies on a big contract. Meanwhile, some writers at MLB.com contrasted that and said that they think that he's going to end up re-signing in Boston. Now, me personally, Powder, I'm on Jim Bowden's side. I think Bogarts is as good as gone still. I think he's going to end up in Philly. He's going to end up in a, in a place like St. Louis or Seattle or 
you know, with the the uh, the Yankees, the Cubs have been really aggressive with wanting shortstops too. That, from what I've heard, they've been in contact with Bogarts with agent Scott Boris. So, with that in mind, you know, what is the direction that this team goes? You know, it's almost Thanksgiving. You want to get this done because there's also the rumors that they want to get a long-term extension done with Devers, Rafael Devers. But will Rafi Devers want to stay here if Bogarts is gone? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you nickel and dimed Bogarts in spring training before the season started, you could have gotten it done and avoided this. And now you're in a bad situation. And if Bogarts leaves Powder, you know that PR is not going to be able to handle the press conferences and everything else saying, well, Bogarts is gone. We have to move on. He didn't want to stay here because it's a game, right? With those guys, they're going to say, oh, we offered Bogarts this big contract and he didn't want to stay. All you had to do was pay him fairly at the beginning of 2022 before, you know, I know the lockout happened, but after the lockout was finished, you could have gotten the deal done. Just been like, all right, Sander, you're taking care of for the next five, six years. We're going to move on to Devers. Thoughts? Yeah, I, um, one of the big points you made is with if Bogarts doesn't say Devers won't. Um, I don't know if you are avid listener of Baseball's Dead like I am with two of our favorite former guests, Dallas Brain and Jerry Carabas, but they're talking about it on the last episode from last week that they they don't neither Dallas or Jared really think that if Xander does not stay, Devers will stay. He'll be obviously upset seeing that the way the Red Sox treated him and the mismanagement of his contract, he'll just say, no, thank you after next year and walk. So it's tough because I obviously want to see Xander stay with the Red Sox for his whole career. I think he's one of the better shortstops in the whole game. I think he's a little underrated, but I think if the Red Sox don't, like Jared said, if the Red Sox don't come correct, I think his old buddy Dave Dombrowski will come with a very good contract offer, try and get him in Philly. Because Philly's, I think they're more pitching away from, I think their pitching was a little bit was lacking in the World Series, but still adding a bat like Bogarts, and I think his defense has improved from what it used to be. Uh, I think Philly would love to have that guy in the middle of their order be the true two-hitter they're looking for. Because I, I love Reese Hoskins, but they don't have a true two-hitter. And I think that just – I think that's where he'll end up if he doesn't end up with the Red Sox. And I can see him very easily signing with the Phillies. So one thing that kind of gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah. There was a, there was a tweet that said – and I think it was, again, from – I think it was from – it wasn't from Bowden, but I, I forget who it was from. But it basically said Trey Turner could end up with the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Carlos Correa could end up with the Dodgers which opens the door for a reunion for Bogarts and the Red Sox to ink up a deal long-term. Because at that point, right, Powder, the Phillies will have their shortstop in Turner. This is all hypothetically speaking again, of course. Turner goes to the Phillies, takes care of that shortstop position. Correa goes to the Dodgers. They fill their hole. Mm -hmm. Now, the Twins have proven that they will go out and get somebody. They went out and got Correa last offseason, obviously which I still don't understand that signing. That was that was a weird signing. I think they just offered him a lot of money, and he couldn't say no. That's true. For one year or two, that's very yeah. true. And then you had – and then you have 
couple other teams that are still in the mix, but I don't know if like the Cardinals would be willing to do the years. I don't think the Yankees are going to go out and get a shortstop because I think they really like that Oswald Peraza kid, yeah. whoever he is. And who does that leave really for shortstop? The Mariners could be a stinky dark horse. I know that because yeah. they're trying to obviously add on to that core, especially with Julio Rodriguez and all those guys. But again, the Red Sox have a chance to make it right. You re-sign Bogarts, you re-sign Devers, and then you make signings that are, they don't have to be big splashes. You don't have to, I know I've said it so many times that I want him, but you don't have to go get Aaron Judge. Mm. You could just bring in impactful players. You could brought in a Brian Reynolds from the Pirates. If you traded for Sean Murphy of the of the Athletics, you know there are pieces that you can go get that will make your ball club better, and you don't have to spend big quality money. Mm-hmm. That's my whole point. So I don't know where this team's going to go. I don't know what's going to happen with Xander Bogarts. They better sign him because the yeah. more that this drags out, the less hope I have that he stays in Boston. Even though my hope is basically gone. I'm still like holding on to that little 1% chance that says he comes back and that's going down day by day. Yeah. Right now it's at like 0.97. Tomorrow it's going to be a 0.96. Two days it's going to be 0.94. So on and so forth. Until an announcement is made. I'm just waiting for the tweet. I don't know if I ever told you this story, but back in 2020, when the Red Sox rehired Alex Cora, I was in school. I was in the homeroom. Yeah. And I got a text from a buddy of mine that said, Alex Cora's back. So I went and it was, it was a quick, uh, I think the kids were sitting doing work and I quickly checked my phone. I literally cried tears of joy yeah. in school. And I was not afraid to admit, it. I'm like, I, I was crying. I was like, Alex Cora's back. And I was like, I, I let out like a, a loud yes. And they probably thought I was crazy. Yeah. Crazier than I am, but yeah, especially at that point. But anyways, point being, I'm just waiting for that announcement. Cause guess what? We need the offseason to really kick in the high gear here. So let's make it happen. Like John Farrell once said, let's effing have it. Yep. Uh, any other thoughts, Powder, before we uh, – uh... Just real quick, like I said, Tito, manager of the year, just one of the best Red Sox managers probably ever, I think. When core is 10 years done, hopefully wins another World Series. So then him and Tito can both have two. Um, yeah, because Tito has two with the Red Sox. Yeah, oh, four, uh, seven. Just, uh, I think it's just one of the best managers. And I know Tito's contemplating retiring. I, I know he's coming back in next year, but I think next year might be his last year. So good for him for winning it. I agree, and especially where the Guardians were one of the youngest rosters in the MLB, and they made it to the division series, and they could have made it to the ALCS. One game away, like good yeah. for them. That that was a great run by uh, Tito Francona. And look at look at what happened with them. They signed their superstar Jose Ramirez to a long term deal. It was a team friendly deal, and yeah. still what he wanted. Yep, he just said I want to stay in Cleveland forever, and he took a he definitely could have got probably twice the amount he got. But he still got a good amount of money. Yes, which was it was a fair deal. It was a fair deal for both sides. Yeah. Wake up, Hein Bloom. Wake up, John Henry. Wake up, all all you guys. Wake up. Yeah. Wake up. Anything else we want to uh, address before we head out for the week? I got nothing. You see the text that uh, Antonio Brown sent to, or there, Tom Brady sent to Antonio Brown. I didn't read the whole text word for word, but I read most of it. Yeah, I saw that. 
Yeah, basically it was Brady being like, dude, you're being an idiot. Like you used to be like a, a, a humble guy that wanted to learn and wanted to better your life. Now you're just going back to being an immature, like erratic man that has irresponsible behavior, which I agree with Brady. Yep. I think Antonio Brown's a loose cannon that needs to be contained. But, you know, Antonio Brown wants to put it on the Snapchat and try to make Brady out to be a bad guy. Good luck. Yeah. And then uh, Giselle was hanging out with her jujitsu trainer. Yeah, I saw that. That's uh, that's a that's a little uh, fishy, yeah, and Brady yeah. says it too. He's like, that's a little suspect. Mm-hmm. Oh man, but we'll we won't get into the uh, TMZ portion of this show. Yeah, that could be for next week. But in general, again, Celtics and Bruins are hot. Patriots in a playoff spot. Hopefully, we'll continue that against the Jets on Sunday. Yep. And the Red Sox still need to sign Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah. As always, make sure to rate and subscribe to the Legends Lingo Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, and everywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Check out, again, studentunionsports.com to check out our podcast, as well as the Not Gonna Lie podcast and the Is It Saturday podcast. For all of us here at Legends Lingo, I am your host, Alan Hegan, Tom Powderkadness alongside me. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to tune in next week because we will make an announcement regarding episode 200 coming up in a few weeks. So make sure to stay tuned for that. We'll see you next week. Yes, sir.